0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So last week we started a series about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to continue about that this morning. And uh, we're going to stay in this subject for Probably about six weeks about the topic of the Holy Spirit and really laying a foundation of who the Holy Spirit is, why he's important, and why we all need him. So, uh, if you got your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to start there, Acts chapter 1, in verse 1. We're going to read a few verses to kind of lay the groundwork for where we're going today. So, let's start in Acts 1, in verse 1. And it says... In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, Baby Names 2023, you're welcome, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. Now listen, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's still talking to us. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before. Notice what that gift is. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8, he's like, guys, you're talking about the wrong thing. Let's get back to the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But notice he said, Jesus saying this to his disciples, but you will receive power. Now, come on, you got to you got to help me today. I'm a Pentecostal preacher, but you will receive power. There we go. That was a little better. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is the power of Pentecost. And we want to talk today about what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Pentecostal experience that is still for us today, what happened on the day of Pentecost. And there's power in Pentecost. That is the reason that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit is to give you power. So we're going to talk today about what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now this is just one of many messages, but i got to lay the groundwork for where we're heading in this series. So last week we talked about who is the Holy Spirit. If you are here last week, we laid an introductory uh, message about who the Holy Spirit is. He is God, He is a person, and He is a gift to be received. Now, Your Bible says it like this, that when you receive Jesus into your heart, you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and you are saved. The Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and he makes you come alive. You are born again. You're born from above. The Bible says in Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. And just like he resurrected Christ from the dead, he resurrects your old dead spirit and makes you alive to God. But your Bible also says there is a twofold work of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of churches would all agree on the first work of the Holy Spirit, and then there's some churches that agree and disagree on the second one. But let me tell you something about the second work of the Holy Spirit. All of the leaders of the New Testament church believed this way. Every church you read in your Bible was a spirit filled church, a tongue talking church. A devil casting out church, a laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover church. There was no denominations as we know it today. They all just believed the Bible and they all had received the Holy Spirit, not just inside, but they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes upon them to give them power. Every church and every church leader in your New Testament you read, believe this way. Now, 2,000 years later, there's some denominations that believe this way. There's other denominations that don't believe this way. There's some that argue about it. But whether you agree with it or not, the Bible agrees with it. And Jesus said, you need it. And all the leaders and the churches of the New Testament were churches that had experienced not just the spirit that comes within for salvation. They received the spirit that comes upon for service, which is called the baptism Of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say we're a spirit-filled church, that's what I mean. That we believe in the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. We believe in the Holy Spirit in all his gifts. That we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we believe it's for us today. And we believe in the Holy Spirit's work. Now, some people would say, well, I got all the Holy Spirit I need when I got saved. Well, you did to get to heaven. You did. But you didn't get all the Holy Spirit you need to live this life today. You need power. And that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. That The Spirit of God doesn't just come in you, but he comes upon you with power to live this life today. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we all need it. I love this pastor. Chris Hodges says, being spirit-filled doesn't make me better than you. It makes me a better me. So just some of us in here that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we don't need to treat other people that don't have it like we're better than them. Because we're not. But we have received a gift that they haven't received that's for them too. And they're doing without because they don't have that gift when it's available for them. Now, if you have a gift and somebody else doesn't have a gift, you have something that they don't have that could help them. But the gift is free for all people. The gift is available to all people. And the gift of God with the Holy Spirit is not earned. It is a gift. And it must be received. But if you've been taught your whole life it's not for you, it's for the weirdos down the street. The Pentecostal church on the backside of the tracks that are into emotionalism and they're just poor and they're not educated and they need that Holy Ghost fire stuff. Because that's the assumption. Then you won't be able to receive the gift. Not realizing that all the leaders in your Bible that you read, Peter, Paul, John, Titus, Timothy were spirit-filled people. All the churches you look at in the New Testament were spirit-filled churches. This is not a side issue. This is a main issue. And Jesus said, you need it. And Jesus told his followers, his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. the Holy Spirit's poured out because the church cannot do anything that they've been called to do apart from the Holy Spirit. There will be no supernatural working of God in a church without the Holy Spirit. There will be no lives changed without the Holy Spirit. There will be no salvations and healings and deliverances without the Holy Spirit. There will be no moving of God without The Spirit, and Jesus said, you need him, so go wait for him in Jerusalem, and then I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, he says, and when I baptize you, you will receive power. You will receive power. And that's the missing ingredient in all of our lives. We need power. Everyone needs power. This world needs power, but the church needs power. How are we going to change the world if we got no power? Can I be honest this morning? Okay, I was anyways. The reason the world is in the situation it is is not because the world's big and bad and ugly and the devil's winning. The reason the world is the way it is is there's a church with no power. So what else are they going to do? If the people they're looking to for answers has no power then nothing's going to change. If the church they're looking to is just as afraid and scared as they are, where are they going to turn to? Because the church has no power. We need God's power to first of all change our life, but to change the lives around us, to change regions, to change cities, to change countries, to change nations. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, none of us would disagree with Jesus. He said, you need him. And you can't do it without him. And I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, let's look at a verse here. Jesus speaking once again to his disciples. Luke 24 and verse 48. You are witnesses of all these things. Verse 49. This is Jesus. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You need power from heaven. How do you get it? The Holy Spirit who is God himself coming to live in you and to be upon you and to give you power. Now, let's look at Acts 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8, if we could pull that up here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said you need power, and how do you get that power? Through the Holy Spirit. Now, Let's look at this word power. This word power in the Greek language, which the Bible in the New Testament is written in Greek, is the word dunamis. Does that sound familiar? It's where we get our word dynamite. This is not just a, a little firework. This is heavy duty, thunder over Louisville fireworks. Dynamite power. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get power, not not just a little tiny power, not just human power, but you get divine power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the word the Bible uses for this word power, referring to the Holy Spirit. You will receive dunamis, dynamite power. Now this is what Rick Renner, who studied the Greek language, he says this word dunamis means in the Greek language. It means explosive, Superhuman power with enormous energy that produces phenomenal, extraordinary, and unparalleled results. The force of an entire army. That's what the word power or dunamis in your Greek Bible means. It is explosive divine power. And Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive that type of power into your life. So that you can live this life now. That you can make a change in this world. That you can do what God has called you to do. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You need him because when you get him, you will receive power. Dunamis. Dynamite power. That's what you need. That's what we're all looking for. And Notice it says explosive superhuman power. With enormous energy that produces phenomenal, extraordinary, and unparalleled results. That's what Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes you that you will receive this type of power. At Bethlehem, God was with us. At Calvary, God was for us. But at Pentecost, God is in us and upon us with power. Now, let's look back at Acts 1. In verse 1, you guys still with me? Now, I I know I'm teaching a second, but I got to lay the groundwork for where we're going. We're talking today about the power of Pentecost, the Pentecostal experience. What does it mean? We're going to go back to the first day of when it happened and explain to you guys today what it means for us today. But let's start in Acts 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Notice it starts out, it says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Let's stop right there. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, you got to realize that the book of Acts is a sequel. The book of Acts is written by Luke, Luke the physician. Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And he's writing to this guy, they said, that was a very wealthy man who paid Luke to look into the early church and to write down a history of what was going on. And so this was not Luke's first book. His first book was Luke. His second book, his sequel, was the book of Acts. So Luke is writing this book, and he says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Verse 2. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, this is Jesus, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift promise, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord has a time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But let's get back on the main thing. Now, it's funny to me because Christians are still living this way. Isn't that the question Christians are still asking? Jesus, when you gotta come back? When you gotta come rescue us, we gotta get out of here, Jesus. Have you seen the news? Russia, Ukraine, COVID. We gotta go. We gotta we got get out of here, Jesus. His disciples were saying the same stuff to him. And you know what he said? Wrong question. Why are you trying to get out of this? You got a mission to do, you got work to do. Why are you trying to keep leaving? No, you got something to do on the earth before you go to heaven. And he said, so listen to me. It's not about when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to restore this place and that place and this kingdom and that kingdom. Christians are still saying that. And he's going, that's not the point. The point is you will receive power right now, today, to live in this world today, to handle the stress today to handle the financial crisis today to be a light in the world today to be the salt of the earth today to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden today stop trying to get out of this place and do what you're called to do finish the mission of god and then we can go somewhere but until we finish the mission we don't need to keep asking jesus when are you coming back come on come on back the world's crazy he's like no I gave you power to deal with it. I gave you power to change the world. I gave you power so you wouldn't be living in fear like everybody else. I gave you this type of power. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What is that power? It's dunamis, dynamite power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will, notice, be witnesses of me in jerusalem and judea to the whole entire world but you will receive power it's all right if i got a little excited for a second i didn't mean to scare nobody but i I just i can't help it i get excited why because i got some power comes out gets a little explosive at times you will receive power so let's stop telling God you need to come back rapture us Lord come on please come on back he's like no you will receive power stop trying to leave finish the job do what God has called us to do be a light finish the mission that God has called the church and the spirit to complete and then I'll come back but I'm not coming back till then you will receive power talking today about the power of Pentecost So let's turn one chapter over to Acts 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to talk about what happened on the actual day of Pentecost and what it means for us today. Still talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we want to talk today about what happened on the first day of the church, the day of Pentecost. Let's look back at Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Let's stop there. Now, let's explain to you what Pentecost means and where it came from. Uh, Because a lot of people just get freaked out just by the word. Pentecost. It's a Pentecostal church. What what does that mean? We got some bun ladies around here. Got some skirts. We're going to be hanging from the chandeliers. We got snakes in the back. No, we have none of the above. Let me break you down a definition. It's going to be really scary and freaky. The word Pentecost means 50. I know it's it's scary. The reason they call it Pentecost is it is 50 days after Passover. Now, i got to talk to you about the original Pentecost before we talk about the Pentecost in the book of Acts. Now, if you're reading your Bible, in the Old Testament, they have several feasts that they celebrate. There's seven major ones that the Jewish people celebrate, and they still celebrate them today. There's the Feast of Passover. There's the Feast of fruits, There's the Feast of Tabernacles. There's the Feast of pa- Passover and Pentecost. There's all these different feasts. Now, in the Old Testament, there is all these different feasts, which are pretty much like a party. Where God said, I want you to remind yourself of what I did for you, so y'all just have a party this week and think about it. And so the Jewish people, and they still do this today that there's at least seven times, maybe a little bit more, that they celebrate these different feasts, and they all reflect something that God did in the Old Testament. So they would take a week or a few days, and they would have a party. Now, we need to get back to that as believers in Jesus. We've got too many grumpy, stale Christians that could use a party. Are you with me? You know some? Maybe you are one of them. I don't know. But we, we need more of that, and they would do that, and so seven times a year, they would have a celebration and party and celebrate what God had did, so they would have music, and they would have dancing, and they would have laughter, and they would have all the, the hummus that your heart could desire. Am I right? Uh, they had the fig leaves and the olives, and they, they killed the fatted calf, and they, they had ribs, and they, they had a great time, so they did this seven times a year. Jewish feast. So if you're reading your Bible, um, there's several ones that we talk about, but they're all pointing to a New Testament reality. It wasn't just about what happened in the Old Testament. All the Old Testament stories are pointing to a New Testament reality in Jesus All the Old Testament heroes of the faith are pointing to a New Testament reality in Jesus. All the stories in the feast are pointing to a New Testament fulfillment in Jesus. Okay, stay with me. Stay with me here. So let's take, for example, the most popular Jewish feast that we would know about that and Jesus and his disciples would celebrate because they were all Jewish people is the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover... Ms. Lois even referred to it, Jesus was taking the Passover meal, refers back to when God's people were in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt and there was the 10 plagues and the last plague was the death of a firstborn son. And God told his people that they needed to kill a lamb and put the blood on the door of their house so when the death angel came through, That they would have to pass over. And so God's people remember every Passover about what happened in Egypt. When the death angel came with judgment. Because there was the blood of the lamb on their house and their doorpost. That the enemy had to pass over. Does that sound like a New Testament reality? So. That feast wasn't just about a lamb in Egypt and some blood. It's pointing to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And when we apply his blood to our life, the enemy has to pass over. All the judgment has to pass over. Why? Because he sees the blood. So that Old Testament feast was not just about that. It was pointing to a New Testament reality in Jesus. Jesus, the Passover lamb. You with me? Okay. See, it's fun when you really study your Bible because it's all connected. But let's talk about what is Pentecost. Well, if Passover was symbolic for salvation, Pentecost is symbolic for power. If you read the Old Testament, the feast of Pentecost is when... God's people have come out of Egypt. They were going to the promised land and Moses went on the mountaintop and got the 10 commandments. Now, most of you know what that looks like. You've seen Prince of Egypt? Maybe. Or the 10 commandments? So Moses went up. He was on the mountain for 40 days. And he came back down. He had the Ten Commandments. God's people were wilding out. Woo! You couldn't couldn't share that in the kids' classrooms this morning, what they were doing. We give the kids a very G-rated version of the Bible. But if you read it, it's R. It's R+. They couldn't make it into a real movie. You could not watch it. But you know why it's like that? Because it's real people. It's the reality. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. The Bible talks about it because that's what humans do. Okay. So he came down the mountain and the people were wiling out. It was like Moses, like I've been gone for 40 days, y'all. Like it's not like I've been gone for years, 40 days. And you've already made a golden calf. Everybody having sex with each other. Y'all drinking wine. Y'all having a crazy orgy. What happened? God just brought us out, y'all. It is 40 days in the desert. Y'all are already acting like this. Right. Of course, then we know when it came down with God's law, uh, the earth opened up. Really fun thing that happened 3,000 people disappeared in it. Oops. <laughs> and guess what? Everybody started acting right. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> This earth opens up and 3,000 people gone. We're living right. We are living right now. Yes, Pastor Moses, we will do what you say. We will put the golden calf away. No more sex for the rest of our lives. We're not even going to think about it. No more, no more drunkenness, no more anything. We will behave for now because the earth just swallowed 3,000 people. That's the Old Testament Pentecost, but they celebrate, not that 3,000 people died. They don't celebrate that part. They celebrate that God gave Moses the law and brought it down. So they would know God's law. That's what we celebrate on Pentecost. But notice the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had to fully come. Because the real Pentecost is not in the Old Testament. The fulfillment of Pentecost is in the New Testament. When the Holy Spirit got poured out. He's pointing to a New Testament reality. So the Old Testament, Pentecost, they celebrate when God's law came down. So when we talk about the day of Pentecost, this is what we're talking about. And this is the backstory of why they're celebrating the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days. Thus, the word Pentecost. After Passover, they're celebrating God bringing the law down through Moses. So this is what happens. In the Old Testament, you see that when Moses went up on the mountain, there was fire and there was wind. And you see in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came down, what does it say? There was fire and there was like a rushing mighty wind. In the Old Testament, Pentecost... Moses brought God's law down. In the New Testament Pentecost, God sent his spirit down. In the Old Testament Pentecost, God's law was written on stone. and the New Testament Pentecost, the spirit writes God's law on our heart. In the Old Testament Pentecost, 3,000 people died because of judgment. In the New Testament Pentecost, Peter preached the first message of the church, and 3,000 people got saved and came alive the first day of the church on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So they're celebrating the Old Testament Pentecost, but that wasn't the point. They was pointing to the day of Pentecost we're reading about in Acts 1 when the Spirit of God would come down. The fulfillment of that is in the book of Acts chapter two, when the spirit of God would come down and give life. Yeah, right. So if Passover is symb- uh, symbolic for salvation and for, for God uh, cleaning up our life and applying the blood to our life. Pentecost is symbolic for God's power and God's spirit. You with me? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. Okay. See, this is the beauty of studying your Bible, and if you never study your Bible, you will never get anything like this out of it. You'll just read over stories and like, yeah, that's weird. That's strange. I don't get it, but if you studied it, it would make perfect sense, and it would lead you to a deeper understanding of what God is saying. That's why we all need to study our Bibles and not wait on your pastor to study it. We all should be this hungry for God's Word because there's A perfect way to understand and to grow in our knowledge of God through the Bible. But we have to study it because it's all connected. So Acts chapter 2 verse 1 is the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Old Testament one was okay, but the New Testament one was the one he was looking for. It was the fulfillment of it. When it had fully come, where the Spirit of God would come and bring life. And God's law would not be written on stone, it would be written on our hearts. And the Spirit would come and bring us power. And once again, what's the word power mean? Dunamis. Dynamite explosive power. Now, I'm going to share three things the rest of this time. And we're going to talk about a short list of just reasons why the Holy Spirit came and brought His power. What is this power for? Would that be helpful for you guys? Okay. So we're going to talk about the first thing is the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to give us power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Acts 1 and verse 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power to be a witness. The number one thing that you receive power for when you receive the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. Oftentimes, one of the most neglected things in spirit-filled Pentecostal churches is seeing people saved is evangelism which makes no sense the holy spirit didn't come on you just so you could have a (laughs) goosebump. come on the holy spirit did not just come on you so you could have a holy ghost fit in the front the holy spirit did not come upon you so you could just take a lap the holy spirit came on you to give you power to be a witness power to share your faith power that you could share the gospel with your co-workers and your neighbors and the people you go to school with in your family he gave you this type of divine power to be a witness and often it's the most neglected thing talked about in pentecostal spirit-filled churches is evangelism being a witness but that's the number one thing jesus said he came to give you power to be a witness now what's a witness a witness all they got to do is tell what they've seen experienced and heard not like you got to give them 50 scriptures it's not like you got to take them through the entire Bible a witness just tells what has happened in their life can you do that has he done anything in your life worth sharing about Well, guess what? When you start talking about it, the Holy Spirit gives you power to make it effective when you talk to somebody. It it, it gives your words weight when you speak to somebody. There's a supernatural power when you're telling your testimony and you're being a witness. The Holy Spirit clicks in with you and it makes perfect sense to the other person. Why? Because he gave you power to be a witness. He didn't just give you power so you could speak in tongues. And I believe in speaking in tongues. He didn't just give you power so you could have a Holy Ghost fit. He gave you power to be a witness. Now, a lot of spirit-filled Pentecostal people, and I is one, but I got to call it for what it is. Instead of being a witness, they're weird. The Holy Spirit didn't give you power to be weird. He gave you power to be a witness. And a lot of times it's spirit-filled Pentecostal people's weirdness that pushes people away so they have no witness anymore. And they can't share their faith because they're like, you whack. You need some help. You're weird. You're not a witness. The Holy Spirit gave you power to be a witness, not weird. To share your faith with a sound mind. And when you share your faith, The Spirit of God is there to give you the boldness, the courage, the anointing, to share your faith and make an impact on the people you're talking to. I'll give you a couple examples real quick here. When you see the day of Pentecost, there's 120 people in an upper room. They got the door locked. Sounds like a lot of churches. Oh, oh, hey, hey. Scared of the big bad world. The upper room, there's 120 people in the upper room when the day of Pentecost happened. Door locked. Why? Legitimately, all of Jesus' disciples were getting killed. And they could be found. So, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit, but they were also pretty scared because they realized We're a follower of Jesus. Jesus was just crucified. They're probably going to come after us. So there was 120 of them locked away. But what happened? Immediately, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they got bold. They got courageous. What does your Bible say in Acts chapter 2? After the Holy Spirit got poured out on everyone, And they started praying in tongues. They started speaking. They unlocked the door. They went out into the streets. And they started preaching the gospel to everybody. Why? Because when you get the Holy Spirit, you get power to be a witness. And they weren't scared anymore. They were bold. They were courageous. They didn't care who knew about it. And, And at the time in Jerusalem, there was people from all over the known world. They were sharing their faith with everybody, with strangers. And there was no intimidation. There was just boldness. Why? Because when you get the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Now, take it a step further. The guy who spoke up on the day of Pentecost is Peter. The biggest chicken of them all. The same Peter who, when Jesus was going to the cross, denied him three times to a middle school girl. Listen, I'm about to have a middle school girl, but I ain't intimidated of her. My feelings are hurt by her, but I'm definitely not intimidated to say what I wanna say. Peter could not even admit he followed Jesus to a middle school girl. He denied Jesus three times, and then later apologized to Jesus and made it right. He's the one who stands up on the first day of the church and preaches to thousands and thousands of people and 3,000 people get saved on the first day of the church. Why? Because he got power to be a witness. Something happened. Something changed. It changed him into a different person. It changed him into a different man. He got some boldness and some courage. Where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit of God. Now, don't tell me my personality is not like yours, Pastor. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I get intimidated. Well, let the Holy Spirit minister to you and give you some boldness and give you some courage. I didn't say obnoxious. I said be bold about it. I said, be real about it, but don't be afraid. Why? Because when you get the Holy Spirit in all his fullness, you will receive power to be a witness. And if we don't receive power to be a witness, how is anyone going to know? How is anyone going to be saved? How is anyone going to be changed? If the church world is locked their door which most churches and most Christians live that way. Let's stay away from the big bad world and let's just hide in our little holy huddle. Let's just hide in our circle, us four and no more. And we're wondering why the world's not changing because we got to get out of the four walls of our church. We got to get out of our house. We got to get out of our cubicle. We got to get off Zoom and see real humans and share our faith. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives you power to be a witness. That you get boldness and courage, but also when you're speaking, it's not just you speaking. It's the Spirit speaking through you to be a witness and to see people's lives changed. I don't know about you. I've had that happen. You probably have had that happen. Sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, I'll start off in the natural, and I feel like I'm just sharing something. I'm trying to help them, but it's not really helping. And midway through the conversation, I'm thinking, who's saying this? This is really good. You know what clicked in? There was power to be a witness. And I'm thinking, man, where are these words coming from? I feels like I'm making an impact on this person's life. And this person's listening to me, and they're getting it, and there's some boldness. And, and when I started off in the natural, just trying to give them natural help, and something clicked in, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit who gives you power to be a witness. Power to give you the words to say when you don't know what to say. Power to speak into somebody's situation when you don't have the right thing to say. The Holy Spirit can give you that and he comes to give you power to be a witness. That's why he gave you power. The next thing is he gave you power to walk in the supernatural. I done preached myself happy. I'm going to have to take a nap for a few days after this one. You guys receiving what I'm saying? He gave you power to walk in the supernatural. Do you realize all the supernatural things we see in the New Testament happened after they were filled with the Holy Spirit? None of that was happening before then. Jesus said, you got to wait for the power. Now, this is no offense to other churches who do not believe in this but by their lack of belief in the baptism of the Holy Spirit they are lacking power in their churches and if somebody gets healed it's an accident if somebody gets delivered it's an accident why because they don't preach about the power we need the power People have real needs and issues that we cannot fix in the natural. And Jesus himself said, the same works I do. Jesus said that. You will do also and greater works. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was healing people. Jesus was delivering people. Jesus was... Uh, uh, saving people Jesus was binding up the wounded and the broken he was healing their issues he was making them whole Jesus was walking in the supernatural power of God and it says the same things I do you will do also how do you do that well I'm going to give you the same Holy Spirit I had and just like he used me He's going to use you to do the same thing church and if you read the book of Acts, you start seeing the same things happening, don't you? As Jesus did. You get a few chapters into it. You see um, Peter and John and you see the different disciples and apostles. You see a lame man being healed supernaturally. You see demons being cast out. You're seeing blind eyes open. You're seeing a prophecy. You're seeing all sorts of supernatural things happen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit got poured out. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to walk in the supernatural power of God. In the same way Jesus did. Now that's not exalting and elevating us above Jesus. We are not. But Jesus said the same spirit that he had would be upon us to do the same things. To heal, to deliver, to walk in the supernatural. Let's look at a verse here. First Corinthians two in verse four and five this is the apostle Paul in my speech. And my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Look at what it says in the message Bible. Nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyone. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. The Holy Spirit came to give you power, that dunamis, dynamite power. Why? To walk in the supernatural. To do the same things Jesus did. To heal the sick. To deliver the tormented. To walk in the gifts of the Spirit. That happens when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. To pray in other tongues. To walk supernaturally, you need the Holy Spirit's power. And without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will not get into those things. You need his power. Jesus said, You need it. Jesus told his disciples that you need to live the way I lived and do the works I did, and that's how people will get changed. That we need it. We need it. I believe in natural help, but I believe in supernatural help too. I believe in therapists and counselors but I also believe in p- people being possessed by devils and demons being cast out. Yes. 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 Not yes. yes. every case is the same. Right. I believe in doctors and nurses, but I also believe in healing. Yes. Yes. I've seen it. Right. I've seen miracles my whole entire life. Right. I've seen healings happen right before my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And it's for today. Yeah. Well, pastor, how do we do that? The Holy Spirit. When you receive him, you receive the power to walk in the supernatural. So when you step out in faith and pray for healing for someone, it's not just you praying, it's God's power backing you up. When you have a friend who's been tormented mentally and you say, hey, can I pray deliverance over you? It's not your power, it's the Spirit's power backing you up. When the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy for a neighbor And you say everything going on in their life. And they're like, how did you know that? How do you tell them that? Well, it's not my power. It's God's power. And that they know God's real because of what you just said. That's the way believers should be living. And walking in God's supernatural power. Lastly, the Holy Spirit gives you power to live a new life. Brother Darrell, could you come play? And we're going to close here in a second. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a new life. You with me today? The Holy Spirit comes in you and upon you to give you that power to live a new life. A lot of people will ask questions about once they are saved, they're still struggling to break addictions to stop habits, to overcome temptation, to live holy or live different. And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to give them power to live a new life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, gives us new life, but he also gives us new desires. And he gives us new power to live differently. We need to have that power in our everyday life. The Holy Spirit has been called to help you when you can't help yourself, when you can't change yourself, when you can't fix yourself. That's when the Holy Spirit steps in and he helps you to live a new life. So many of us are trying to change old ways, old patterns, old habits to walk different, to walk holy, but we need the Holy Spirit's help. Look at this verse in in Zechariah 4 and verse 6. He answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now what's he saying here? He's saying you can't do it with your own might and with your own power. You need the spirit of God to do it. But with everything, so many of us are trying to change without the Holy Spirit. And you're frustrated. And you're a Christian. But what's the answer? It's not by your might. It's not by your power, but it's by the Spirit. How are you gonna break that addiction? You can't do it. But guess what? There's one in you that can do it. Not by your might. Not by your power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. I need new habits in my life, and, I, and I'm not able to do it. Well, you can't do it, but guess what? The one in you can do it. Not by your mind, not by your power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. This situation can't change in my life. Yeah, you can't change it. But the one in you can change it. And he came to give you power to live a new life. Not by your power. Not by your might, but by the spirit says the Lord. That's how you are going to change. That's how you are going to break addictions. That's how you are going to live holy. That's how you are going to walk in love. That's how you are going to overcome temptation. That's how you are going to live a new life of power is not your own strength, but the spirit of God within you and upon you. Not by your might. Not by your power. But by the spirit says the Lord. That's how it's going to happen. So many Christians, because they neglect the baptism of the Holy Spirit, walk in a powerless life, living like victims when God has called them victorious, living like they can't ever get over stuff in their life when God has said, no, I can heal it, I can fix it, but it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. You can't do it, but the Spirit I sent you can do it but you got to trust his power you got to lean on his power you got to receive his power and all his fullness that the spirit of God came to bring to give you a new life it's not by your might it's not by your power but it's by the spirit of God look at what it says in Philippians 2.13 in the Amplified Not in your own strength. (laughs) You know what I just said? Not in your own strength. Because you can't. And God's not expecting you to do it by yourself. You can't. That's why he sent you the Holy Spirit. For it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you. Energizing and creating in you the power. The power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight Not in your own strength, but it's God in you. Who is God in you? The Holy Spirit. Creating in you the power and desire to do God's will. The power and the desire. Now here's something I see. There's a lot of denominational people that they have new desires to serve God and to love God. But they never seem like they get over the hump. They never seem like they get on the other side of stuff. They never seem like they get victory over it. Why? Because they're leaving half of the Holy Spirit's power out of the situation. They believe in Him coming within, but they don't believe in the power to come upon. So, yeah, they have new desires because the Spirit of God's given them new desires, but they never actually can do it. Why? Because you need God's power and desire to do God's will. And it's available for all of us in here, not in your own strength. By God's power and desire, you start changing. I love it. He gives us a desire to do differently, but then he doesn't leave us there and we got to figure it out. Like God, I want to do something different, but I can't. He goes, no, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and he's going to give you the power to do it. Dunamis power dynamite explosive power to change to be different to overcome addictions to overcome temptation to live holy to walk in love to live a new life not in your own strength but it comes through the power of the holy spirit not by might not by power but by the spirit says the lord could you stand up with me today Thank you, Father. Could we raise our hands if you feel comfortable? Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you today for your precious Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, today that we will receive you in all your fullness. We will receive you in all your fullness today, the gift of the precious Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us new desires today, giving us new desires, new wants to change. But we thank you as well for giving us the power and ability to do it. We thank you for giving us your power to live this new life, not in our own strength, not by our might, not by our power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And we receive you in all your fullness, Holy Spirit. Come upon us in a new way. Come upon every person in this room in a new way. Empower us once again with a fresh touch of your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence in here. We receive it. We receive it in all its fullness. If you receive that today, just say that out of your own mouth. I receive it. Father, we receive that power to come upon us in a new way, to touch us this morning, to strengthen us today. And we thank you for it we thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit we thank you for this spirit filled life we can live that we're not alone we have a helper we have a strengthener we thank you for him creating in us a new desire and power to do your will we we say Father we're sorry for the times we tried to rely on our own strength and our own ability and we couldn't do it but we trust you we lean into you and your power and we thank you with you all things are possible anything can change in our life why because you have the power to do it father thank you for not leaving us as victims on this earth not leaving us as orphans but come and sending your holy spirit to live in us to live through us and to give us the power to be victorious father we thank you for that today we thank you for your precious holy spirit thank you jesus Can we just thank you for a moment just in your own mouth, just between you and him? We love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you for what a gift you are to our lives. Help us to be more aware of your presence in and upon us. Refill us once again today. And during this series, help us learn more and more about you. Help us grow in our relationship with you. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Not in your own strength. Not in your own strength. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We receive you in all your fullness today, Holy Spirit. We receive that power. The same power that was on the day of Pentecost is the same power that's available to us today and to all who God will call. And we thank you for it today. Thank you, Jesus. We love you today. We love you today. We love you today. Thank you, Father. Help us, your people, to walk in your empowerment and your plan in your presence as we leave today. We thank you for strengthening us, filling us once again this morning. We love you. We love each other. We thank you for unity in this place, unity in this church. We thank you that the best days are yet to come for our church family, for every individual, for every person here. We thank you that the future is bright for us. We thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, we love you, Father, and we love each other, and we thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.